0: Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from the book of Exodus how God told Moses to refer to himself with a very special title, the Lord God of the Hebrews. This message is available for free download at iTunes.com. Just search for the Friendship with God podcast, or you can download free messages or listen to free messages at friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's Tom Cantor.
1: All right, now, if you follow along in Exodus chapter 3, verse 18, And they shall hearken to thy voice, and thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt, and ye shall say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews hath met with us, and now let us go, we beseech thee, three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. And I am sure... That the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not by a mighty hand, and I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst of thereof, and after that he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall come to pass that when you go, you shall not go empty, but every woman shall borrow of her neighbor, and of her that sojourneth in her house. Jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, and you shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and you shall spoil the Egyptians. Now, what we see here in verse 18, and this is the verse we're really focused in on, is verse 18, is we see how God told Moses something very, very interesting to us as he was training Moses for exactly the words that he needed to speak to Pharaoh. And what's so interesting for us are the titles. This is the verse, verse 18, Exodus three 18, that's got these wonderful new titles we've never seen before in the scriptures. And now God reveals them to us. It's just a wonderful thing, is that we learn about God in the midst of conflict. This was a terrible conflict for the children of Israel, for the Jewish people, and in the midst of this conflict, we learn about God. And that's the prize, that's the treasure that we walk away with. And it's the same thing in the midst of the conflict of our sin that separated us from the Lord God. And we learn so much about God when we see him coming as a babe in a manger and the angels speaking You'll call his name Jesus because he will deliver his people from their sins. And so what we discover about God is that God is the God who delivers his people from their sins in the midst of our conflict. And then when we see him there on the cross, the greatest display of the love of God there on the cross. And there with that sign, this is God who is the king of the Jews. This is God who is redeeming his people by his own blood. And so it's in this conflict that we learn about the revelation of who God is. And that's what verse 18 is so interesting. Now, God could have told Moses to give him the title of the Lord God. Go to Pharaoh, God could have said and say the Lord God as my title. Or he could have said, he could have gone on and said, go to Pharaoh and call me the Lord God of Moses. But notice in verse 18, this very special term that God chose, this very special title that God chose to call himself, When he said to Moses, this new title, I want you to tell Pharaoh Moses that my title is, and this has never been heard before, the Lord God of the Hebrews. That's a very special title for God. The Lord God of the Hebrews, or the God of the Hebrews. That's special. That's a special title for God. It's used, this unique title. Uniquely found only in the book of Exodus. No other place in scripture do we find God giving himself the title, calling himself the God of the Hebrews, but he does in Exodus. So we ask ourselves the question, why? What was it about Pharaoh that caused God to use this special title of the God of the Hebrews? So what's with Pharaoh that God chooses to call himself the God of the Hebrews? Why has God only chosen to be identified by this title, the God of the Hebrews, to one person, Pharaoh. What is there about Pharaoh that makes God want to and chose to and did identify himself by this unique title of the God of the Hebrews? Of all persons in scripture, what was there about Pharaoh that he should get this title that God took for himself, the God of the Hebrews? Who was Pharaoh? to make God want to identify himself or give himself the title of the God of the Hebrews. Pharaoh was the one who was harming God's people. Pharaoh was the one who was threatening God's Israel, the Israel of God, the Jewish people. Pharaoh was the one who had the plan that he had hatched. And was executing of exterminating God's Israel, the Jewish people. And there's a very interesting and we think about this. So, he's, so here he is, his Pharaoh, and he's got all his heart set on wiping out God's Israel, God's people. He's got it all set like that, and he's doing it. He does just a plan, he's executing it, and they're dying, and the babies are floating. Dead corpses, dead baby corpses are floating down the Nile River. And it hasn't stopped. And the Jewish people are helpless to stop it. And there's no milk of kindness among the Egyptian people that are saying, maybe we shouldn't do this. No, it's all going forward. But God steps in. And when he steps in, he's got this title. Like it's a big sash or banner across himself. And it says, the God of the Hebrews. You know, there's clothing, very interesting clothing that's described in Exodus 28 for the high priest. And in that chapter, the clothing that is described for the high priest in Exodus 28 is called holy garments. That's how it's described in Exodus 28 too. And thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother for glory and for beauty. And most of the chapter, most of the chapter in Exodus 28 is taken up with the description in particular of two pieces of clothing called the breastplate and the ephod. And the ephod had a shoulder piece for each shoulder. And in Exodus 28, 6 and 7 it's described like this. And they shall make the ephod of gold and of blue and of purple and of scarlet and fine twine linen with cunning work. Cunning work. That's the word chashab. That's the word describing the work of an embroiderer or a weaver. And it shall have the two shoulder pieces thereof joined at the two edges thereof and so it shall be joined together. Now on each shoulder piece there was an onyx stone. And on each onyx stone, there were engraved the names of the tribes of Israel. The name of the Hebrew tribes. You know, Rubain and Asher and Levi and Shimon and Simeon and so forth. And it says this in Exodus 28, 9 through 10. And thou shalt take two onyx stones and grave on them the names of the children of Israel. Six of their names on one stone and the other six names of the rest of the other stone, according to their birth. And when Aaron put on that ephod, on each of the shoulders would be the names of the Hebrew tribes, and those names, you got a picture now, there's the high priest, he's coming in before God, and so when God looks on the high priest and he sees on his shoulders the names, they're called a memorial before God. See, that's what it says in Exodus 28, 12. And thou shalt put the two stones upon the shoulders of the ephod for stones of memorial unto the children of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord upon his two shoulders for a memorial. A memorial for who? For God. Because God is now looking down. Here's his high priest, Aaron. And what does he see on his two shoulders? It says, Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord. So Aaron walks in in the presence of God, and he knows, Aaron knows, that on his shoulders, as he's walking in before the Lord, and he has on his shoulders these names of the children of Israel. And so Aaron has, when he's put that ephod on, he has made the decision that he will bear before God on his shoulders the names of the Jewish people, the tribes of the Jewish people, the children of Israel, as a memorial before the Lord. That's Aaron's calling that's Aaron's life work. That's his heart purpose. That's what God wants for us. God wants us to be his errands. God wants us to come into his presence bearing on our shoulders the names of the lost sheep of the house of Israel, the names of the lost Jewish people, just like Aaron, six tribes, six tribes, bearing them before the Lord. Oh God, I'm coming before you with the prayer of Paul. Romans nine one. For I wish that could be accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Jewish people. The prayer of Romans 10.1 prayer to God that Israel might be saved. That's the Aaron work. That's the ironic work of bearing them upon his shoulders. And so the ephod with the names of the Hebrew tribes over his shoulders was to be so Aaron himself would become like a memorial. He would become like one with these onyx stones. And when God would look, he would see Aaron and he would realize there's Aaron. And when Aaron speaks, when Aaron prays, when Aaron appears, what do I hear? What do I hear? God says, I hear the names of the children of Israel, I should not forget them. I don't want to forget them. Romans 11one hath God cast away his people whom he foreknew. God forbid Aaron standing there with those stones on his shoulders as the God forbid that he should forget the memorial. Then, in addition to the ephod, there was the breastplate. The breastplate that was made. That's described in Exodus twenty eight, fifteen. And thou shalt make the breastplate of judgment with cunning word. Again, the chashab, the embroidery, the weaving work. After the work of the ephod, thou shalt make it of gold, of blue, and of purple, and of scarlet. Four colors. Gold, blue, purple, scarlet. And of fine twined linen. That's the fifth color, the white. Thou shalt make it. And this breastplate that's being described here by God was made up of white linen base, so to speak the base fabric, and the white speaks of the righteousness of God, the sinlessness of the Lord Jesus Christ, the without-blemish aspect of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the breastplate that had woven into it the threads, the chashab, the weaving work of the threads of gold and of blue and purple and scarlet, those four colors, where the gold speaks of the deity, Of the Lord Jesus Christ. The blue speaks of his origin from heaven, he came. The purple speaks of his kingship of the Lord Jesus Christ. He spoke of his kingdom so often. That's the purple. And the scarlet speaks of his sacrifice, of the sufferingness, of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The scarlet was gotten from the worm in that part of the world where that worm was crushed. And in the crushing of his body came out this deep scarlet dye that was used to make the scarlet. And that speaks of the crush and how he was crushed for our sins. He was wounded. He was crushed like the worm. And the scarlet color speaks of that. So on this white cloth base of the breastplate were also attached 12 stones in three rows of four. And on each stone was engraved a name of one of the Hebrew tribes. That's described for us in Exodus 28, 21. And the stones shall be with the names of the children of Israel, 12, according to their names, like the engravings of a signet, everyone with his name shall be according to the 12 tribes. So when again, here's Aaron, here's he is the high priest. He goes into God's presence, he's wearing this breastplate. Where is the breastplate? Over his heart. What's on the breastplate? Names. Again, names names of the Hebrew tribes over his heart. Why? A memorial. For who? For God. Always to bring them in. So that he was always bearing on him the names of the Hebrew tribes where he's saying, Oh God, you look at these on my heart now and you see my love. You see my care for them. We know that Aaron as the high priest, he symbolized the Lord Jesus Christ as the great high priest. As it says the whole book of Hebrews is summed up in a verse in Hebrews 8.1 where it says, Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom Aaron was symbolizing, there was no place in the tabernacle or the temple for a chair. There was no chair. There were no seats. No priest ever sat down in the tabernacle or in the temple. The sitting down was reserved in heaven for the high priest who finished it all, who cried out from the cross, Asa, made, the telestai, finished, accomplished. And then he sat down. But the work of the temple and the work of the tabernacle was always to stand. It was always to keep sacrificing. It was always to keep bringing as a memorial until the time when the great work was done of the sacrifice on the cross and then our great high priest once and for all gave himself, and so he sat down on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, the right hand of God the Father. So the ephod and the breastplate that Aaron was commanded to wear symbolized the work and the memorial of what the Lord Jesus Christ brought before, brings before as the great high priest. And the picture of Aaron, oh, the picture of him, as he puts on that breastplate, we can see him in our mind's eyes. He's putting on that breastplate. He's lifting it over his head, stones and all, with the names of the Hebrew tribes. And as he's picking it up, he's going to put it on. And he's looking at that breastplate and he says, yep, there it is. There's the breastplate. I'm going to put it on. That breastplate has got the names of the Jewish tribes, the Hebrew tribes on there. I'm going to put it on my heart. And you know, as he does that, he's making a decision. I will put that breastplate on. I'm not just going to put it on mechanically. As I put it on, I'm taking on my heart, the love, and I care for the Jewish people, the lost sheep, the house of Israel. And that's a decision that God wants us to make also. God wants us, like Aaron. To say, I will count on me, God. I will remember your people in their lostness, your people in their rejection, your people as they despise you. As Aaron put that breastplate on, I will put on the breastplate. I will make the decision like Aaron did as well. And then we can see him, and he says to himself as he does that, I see the names, I take the welfare on my heart, the welfare of the Jewish tribes on my heart, with a care that will not let God go until he blesses them, as it says along the lines of Genesis 32. And now we can see Aaron, as he positions those two stones of the ephod on his shoulders, And as he does, he picks it up and he puts it there and he looks at them again and he sits six names on this one and six names on this stone. And we see Aaron again positioning those stones as the names and he says to himself, as I put these stones and the names on my shoulders, I promise that my life work will be for the reconciliation of the Jewish tribes, of the Hebrew tribes to God. I promise that. And now, think of God who sees Aaron, the high priest, come before him, and he's wearing these stones on his shoulders, and he's wearing these stones on his breast. And think of God who looks on Aaron's shoulders, and he sees the 12 names of the Hebrew tribes on Aaron's shoulders. And think of God who looks at Aaron's chest, and he sees those 12 stones, with each with the name of the Hebrew tribe engraved on it. And as God sees all those stones, On his heart and on his shoulders, God says to himself, I see the stones. I see the engraved names of the Hebrew tribes of the Jewish people on Aaron the high priest's shoulder and over his heart. And I say again, as it says in verse 18, I say again, God says, I am the God of the Hebrews. I am their God. I'm the God of those Hebrew tribes. I'm the God of those people that are engraved on each shoulder. I'm the God of those people who are engraved over their heart. And to whom did God call himself? The God of the Hebrews? To Pharaoh. Why Pharaoh? Because Pharaoh was threatening their existence. He was afflicting the Jewish people with the goal to destroy them. And it was in the face of that affliction and destruction of the Hebrews that God says, I choose to call myself now the God of the Hebrews. If you want to destroy them, you got to go through me, because I'm their God, and I will stand to defend them as a man of war. And it was when the Hebrews were afflicted like this that God said he was the God of the Hebrews. And when Saul of Tarsus was afflicting God's believers with the goal to destroy the believers that Saul was on this road to Damascus, that the Lord Jesus Christ met him there and said to him, in Acts 9, 4-5, Saul fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. So here's Paul, he's afflicting the believers, he's threatening to destroy them, but the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of the Hebrews, now comes in and says, you are persecuting me, Saul. Why? I am the God of the believers. And Saul was shocked at the question, why are you persecuting me? And he asked, who are you? And like Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I shall obey him? Pharaoh is going to learn that God is the God of the Hebrews. Saul learned that God is the God of the believers. And so Saul had just understood that God had said that when Saul was persecuting believers, that God was saying to Saul, you're persecuting me. And so then Saul asked God, who are you? And he's asking, what was Saul asking God? God, who are you that feels the personal persecution when I persecute the believers? You know, Pharaoh Who is God who feels the personal persecution when I persecute the Hebrew tribes? In essence, God was saying to Saul the same thing he said to Pharaoh. He said in verse 18, I am the Lord God of the Hebrews. To Saul, in Acts 9, 5, he said, I am the Lord God of believers. So it was during this time when his believers were threatened that the Lord Jesus Christ associates himself as the God of believers by saying that he was being persecuted when believers were being persecuted by Saul. And it was during the time when the Hebrews were being threatened by Pharaoh that Jehovah Jesus associated himself or took on himself the title of the Lord God of the Hebrews. And the truth of God most associating himself, most giving himself the title of his own people is when they are afflicted. And that's what it means in Isaiah 63, 9. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them, and he bare them and carried them all the days of old. That's Isaiah 63, 9. And so it's during this time of the greatest afflictions of God's people that God most links himself to his people. And that's why he's known in Isaiah 63, 9 as the angel of his presence. And what we learn from this is that during those times when we are being the most afflicted, that's the time when we experience the sweet presence of the Lord Jesus Christ as he links himself to us. The principle is that during the times when God's people are being the most afflicted, Jehovah Jesus most associates himself, links himself with his people. So, it was during the time when the Hebrews were the most afflicted that Jehovah Jesus took on this title, the God of the Hebrews. And during another time when the Hebrews were all were the most afflicted, or his people were most afflicted, that Jehovah Jesus took on himself a special title, a special title for himself, like he did on the Lord God of the Hebrews. It was when Jehovah Jesus was on the cross, and he was fighting there, to keep his people from being destroyed by their own personal sin. And his fight on the cross was a battle that cost him his life when he took on himself our sins. And just as Jehovah Jesus linked himself in Exodus 3.18 as the Lord God of the Hebrews, we see on the cross how again Jehovah Jesus linked himself by a title that's described in John 9.19-20 where it says, And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. So notice how in this passage, the sign that was put over this cross is called a title. And it was a title that... Pilate chose, but really it was a title that the Lord Jesus Christ chose. And that title links himself to his people during the time of their greatest affliction. It looks like it's the greatest affliction for him. It's their greatest affliction. Why? Because that was the time when Satan was wanting to sweep the souls of men into hell. And the Lord Jesus Christ stops Satan's in his tracks and says, Not so. No. No. I will take their sins on me. I will pay for their sins so that they can be spared. They can be saved. And so he chooses the title, the king of the Jews, as he battles for the Jews to save them from hell. And not just the Jews, but on the cross he battles for all those who believe into him to be their king. So before Pharaoh, Jehovah Jesus chooses his title, the Lord God of the Hebrews, that he came to save the Hebrews from Pharaoh. And before Satan on the cross, Jehovah Jesus chooses his title, the king of the Jews, as he comes to save his own people from their sins. And as we know in Galatians, if any man, He says, if you believe, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise or spiritual Jews.
0: Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. We're offering Tom Cantor's teaching on the Passover from Exodus 12 and Isaiah 53. It's a two-disc DVD production. It's a great gift for Easter or Passover time for a Jewish person or a Christian or unbeliever. It's yours today for a donation of $20 or more. 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051. Thanks for listening and join us again tomorrow at this same time.